Hello, welcome back to the Sports Gamble Ramble. This is SGR number 92. Today we're doing the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know this is an episode that you guys have been looking forward to for quite some time. The Jags really one of the more interesting teams in the NFL. Um, if you can't pick up on my sarcasm, you know, we're probably going to try and get through this one quickly, just like we did with the Texas Texans the other day. Um, this Jags team, 3-14 and 14 last year. We all know the Urban Meyer debacle. You know, I'm not going to sit here and make Urban Meyer jokes the entire uh, episode. I think it's kind of played out at this point. It was obviously a shit show last year. I don't think I've ever seen anybody do a worse job in the history of coaching football than Urban Meyer. A lot of great memes and internet content. But um, we're moving forward. New head coach this year, Doug Peterson, um, at least a professional here. You know, um, I can't guarantee that the team is going to be completely rejuvenated and turned around in one year here with Doug. Um, but there's obviously optimism for this uh, Jags team to at least build some sort of respectable culture here. So I guess that's the narrative. If you're a Jags fan here and you want to be optimistic, you know, second year for Trevor Lawrence never really had a chance to succeed last year. So we'll see if he can take a step forward for the Jags here. Um, but again, this team won three games last year, uh, last in their division, last in the conference, had the number one overall pick in the draft, covered um, at the worst rate in the NFL, tied with one other team at 5-12 and 12 against the spread. They covered the spread 29% of their games. So if you just blindly bet against the Jags last year, you did very well. Uh, their offense finished 32nd in points per game, scoring less than 15 points per game. That's unheard of in today's. NFL. Uh, I should have looked into it as far as, you know, lowest points per game in the modern era, but that's got to be down there. 14.9 points per game, 27th in yards per game, offensively 305.4. Um, defense was very bad as well, 28th in points per game, 26.9. So, dude, they were giving up 13 more points a game than they were scoring, 12 more points. That's insane. Uh, 20th in yards per game, 353.1, and they were dead last in turnover margin. 32nd in the NFL at a minus 20 turnover turnover margin are you kidding me here uh the second worst in the turnover margin this year was minus 13 so they had seven more turnovers worse on that margin that's insane again this team was a shit show a lot of that was to blame um on urban meyer so i mentioned head coach doug peterson takes over Peterson, my guy from Philly, you know, got me got me my Super Bowl in 2017. I thought Philly did this guy dirty. I think he's a pretty good head coach. My whole deal at the time of him getting canned from Philly was that he um, was not doing a great job with play calling, and you know, he's kind of, he's an offensive guy, comes from a former NFL quarterback background for a decade there in the 90s. Um, and you know, he's been in the Andy Reed coaching tree, uh, that West coast offense, but the play calling got stale. He didn't really continue to evolve his offense. And to me, you know, was, we were not doing a good job of getting our receivers open and scheme, uh, trying to create separation again through scheme and design. So I thought really the move for Philly not to make this an Eagles episode was to keep Doug Peterson as head coach because I thought he was a good leader, good locker room guy, you know, player coach. The guys liked him. They wanted to play for him. 
but we needed to bring in a guy like Nick Sirianni, who's the head coach now, to call plays. You know, we needed a, a, a we needed to really upgrade that offensive coaching staff, get some new concepts in there. They tried uh, that offseason going into Doug's last year, bringing in a couple offensive assistants from, I think, the 49ers and Broncos coaching staff. It just didn't go anywhere. So not to get bogged down here, but I think Peterson's a good head coach. He needs um, a good uh, good support cast under him. Like Jim Johnson, or excuse me, Jim Schwartz was a great defensive coordinator for that team because you could trust him to just run that defense and Doug didn't need to get overly involved. And I'm not sure the support staff on this Jags uh, coaching coaching staff right now is as strong as the cast that he had in Philadelphia. I mean, especially when you look at Frank Reich and Jim Schwartz, you know, two head coaches at their times in Philly. Um, but Peterson, again, head coach of the Eagles from 2016 to 2020. Before that, he was the OC with the Chiefs from 2013 to 2015. Again, uh, Andy Reid, QB, um, QB coach and OC his entire career, basically. And then he didn't coach football last year um, before taking the Jags job this offseason. His offensive coordinator here is Press Taylor. Um, he was on the Eagles coaching staff from 2013 to 2020 as an offensive quality uh, control coach in those early years moving up the ranks into an offensive assistant he was um, Carson Wentz's QB coach from 2018 to 2020 and the Eagles passing game coordinator in 2020 before um, going to Indy for a year last year as an assistant under Frank Reich so he's been in that same system Uh, now he comes back to Peterson a familiar face Um, defensive coordinator here is Mike Caldwell. Uh, he's a former NFL player, third round pick by the Cleveland Browns in 1993, played in the NFL for 10 seasons, got his coaching start in Philadelphia in 2008, stayed there for four years, went over to Arizona for two years as a linebackers coach, went to the Jets for three years as an assistant head coach and linebackers coach, and most recently Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebackers coach from 2019 to 2021. We'll see how Caldwell does on the defensive side of the ball I don't know much besides uh his Wikipedia page that I just listed for you guys but um again Peterson not known for getting that involved on the defensive side of the ball so Caldwell is is I think going to be mainly responsible for that defense um let's talk personnel here and Interesting offseason. You know, they I think they lost a couple pretty notable names here. They also spent a shit ton of money, which we'll talk about in a second. But let's go over the losses first. Linebacker Miles Jack, I think they cut um, just like late in the offseason, like early summer, I think. And then the Steelers picked him up. Um, but they moved on from Miles Jack. Offensive guard Andrew Norwell left in free agency, signed with the Redskins. Excuse me, the Commanders. That's going to happen from time to time, guys. Uh, wide receiver DJ Chark went over to the Lions. Um, offensive guard AJ Can. Outside linebacker Damian Wilson. Defensive tackle Taven Bryan. Defensive end Jihad Ward. Uh, tight end Jacob Hollister. Running back Dare Agumbawale. Wide receiver Tavon Austin. And tight end James O'Shea. Shaughnessy will uh, round out the key losses recap. And then I mentioned they spent a lot of money this offseason, a lot. They overpaid a lot of guys. They're calling it the Jacks tax because nobody wants to go play for the Jags aside from maybe Florida having that uh, those income tax breaks down there. Um, but, you know, nobody wants to go play in Jacksonville, so they have to overpay these guys, and they sure fucking did that. They spent an NFL record $175.3 million this April in free agency. 
absolutely insane spending spree. So I will go over the big contracts that they gave out here. Christian Kirk um, <laughs> broke the wide receiver market. Like he's this this acquisition is the reason that the Debo's and the AJ Browns and the Terry McLaurins uh, want twenty five mil a year, and Tyreek and Devontae want thirty, is because a, a mediocre receiver, maybe slightly above average, like Christian Kirk. Got a four-year, $72 million deal, 37 mil guaranteed, averages 20 mil a year. Like, are you kidding me? 18 mil a year, whatever. Um, pretty insane. He's getting 20 mil, like, the first two years of the deal. Half of it's guaranteed. Like, bit of an overpay. Guy's never had more than 1,000 yards in a single season. He had his best year last year, about 950, give or take. Um, <clears throat> due to, you know, kind of being that number one in Arizona with Hopkins done. I think he's a good player, and I'm actually kind of optimistic for fantasy as he should be the number one passing uh, target in this offense, but huge overpay there. Let's continue talking about this spending spree. Brandon Scherf, veteran, right guard from Washington, three-year, 52.5 mil, 30 mil guaranteed. Uh, linebacker from the Falcons, Foye Aluakon, um, uh, his full name, because they shortened it here, is uh, Foyasade, Foyasade Alunacan. Um, three years, $45 million, 28 mil guaranteed. Cornerback Darius Williams from the LA Rams, three years, 39 mil, 18 mil guaranteed. Gets a Super Bowl ring and then just wants to collect on cash in that second contract. Good for you, Darius. That's the way to do it. Now you get to play in Florida. You get to keep your cash because of that state income tax. Um, defensive end Foley Fotuoski, uh, he got a three-year $30 million deal, 20 mil guaranteed. Zay Jones, another very mediocre pass catcher, um, three-year 24 mil, 14 guaranteed. And Evan Ingram, the most overrated football player in the history of football players, one-year 9 mil, 8.25 guaranteed. You just burnt. 8.25 mil on fire there, Jacksonville. Evan Ingram, I could do an entire episode on why you should not ever draft Evan Ingram on your fantasy team. He is a guy that I have I have managed to never have on a fantasy team, and I am so proud of it to be able to say that. Um, absolute bum. People are still somehow fixated on the potential of this guy from his college days at Ole Miss to his rookie year where he was actually a pretty good fantasy asset going uh, for a solid rookie campaign yardage-wise. But he has not done anything since, and he's not been able to stay healthy. I could, again, rant all day on why Evan Ingram is a fucking bum, and he continues to just steal money from NFL franchises. Okay, so that's, yeah, I went over most of the big additions there. They also added defensive end Arden Key and defensive end Wyatt Ray. Um, those are pretty much all the additions in free agency, but so much cash divvied out to mediocre players here. Yes, pretty good players. Like I like Aluakon at line at linebacker. I like Darius Williams at corner. I like Christian Kirk. I like Brandon Scherf, but just so expensive here. Um, let's not get bogged down. They re-signed a couple of guys: wide receiver Laquan Treadwell, defensive end Adam Gotsis, and cornerback Trey Herndon. Um, so yeah, nothing special there. Let's talk about the draft. Um, really bulked up on that defense, uh, invested a little bit in the O-line in the third round there. Interesting. 
um, kind of shocked, well, I wouldn't say shocked the world, but shocked the world in reference to like projections early in draft season. Trayvon Walker shot up the draft boards more than any player I've ever seen over the draft process. He went from being projected as maybe like a 15 to 20 range pass rusher like pre-combine maybe the fourth pass rusher in the draft I would say by most general consensus heading into the combine weekend and absolutely smashed the combine and I was like okay this guy's gonna rise he'll probably go top 10 now like maybe like the third pass because I mean um what's his face AJ Hutchinson excuse me Aiden Hutchinson and uh Kayvon Thibodeau both were getting so much hype early in the process and then started to kind of drop as Walker started to shoot up the board. Um, and it was based on, you know, his measurables, his combine performance, his athletic upside. He looked great in the uh, preseason debut against the Raiders, the Hall of Fame game. I haven't seen any snaps from their, um, you know, second preseason game against the Browns as far as Walker. Um, wasn't able to look into that yet, but he's an athletic freak. I, when watching the combine, I'm pissed. I, d I wasn't able to do some off-season episodes. I've mentioned, you know, switching hosting platforms. A lot of stuff happened this off-season, but um, I was planning on doing a post-combine episode, and this guy would have been the highlight of my episode. He was by far my biggest takeaway from the combine weekend was I, if I had to give a comparison and I was, you know, in my private circles here socially, whenever I talked about Trayvon Walker this off-season going into the draft, Julius Peppers is the comparison that I have for the guy. He really, uh, I think he's a, an inch shorter. He's maybe like 10 pounds lighter, a little bit faster than Peppers. But I just see that skill set as him being able to set the edge, rush the passer, maybe drop. He's athletic enough to drop into coverage from time to time. You know, I actually, I honestly don't know if Caldwell is, is planning on calling a 4-3 or a 3-4. I think as of right now, it's set up as a 3-4. So Trayvon Walker, technically that Sam outside linebacker right now, and then Josh Allen on the other side. Uh, the linebacking core actually really strong here with Josh Allen, Devin Lloyd, uh, Folisade Aluakon, and Trayvon Walker. That's actually a very sturdy linebacking core. They drafted Chad Muma again, Chad Moma out of Wyoming in the third round as well. So and Devin Lloyd, yeah, I just mentioned him. He was their uh, uh, second first-round pick. So I'm getting a little bit mumbled up here with the draft recap, but I'm just talking, you know, they really, they added three linebackers in this draft to that front four. Um, you know, Walker more of a pass rusher, as same with Josh Allen, but I think both guys athletic enough to drop off that edge. Um, yeah, the front four actually looking, or front seven really looking a little bit improved this offseason. So Trayvon Walker out of Georgia, number one overall pick. By the way, quick brag, I was able to um, capitalize on that. I grabbed him to be the number one overall pick plus, uh, what was it, plus 165, plus 170, something like that, um, about a week or two before the draft. And then he ended up being a massive favorite in the closing few days. So, um, yeah, tune in this offseason because my draft episode should be pretty, um, pretty in-depth, and I bet the shit out of the draft. So I mentioned they had two first-round picks. Uh, pick 27 linebacker Devin Lloyd out of Utah. Fast, um, supposedly good coverage linebacker, which will complement these pass rushers that they've got on the outside. Um, a lot of talent there. He's going to be the Miles Jack replacement, it's looking like. 
Uh, he, I believe, Devin Lloyd dealing with some injuries right now in training camp. Him and James Robinson, I think the only two guys that will be missing Saturday's preseason game against the Steelers. Um, okay, let's keep going with the draft. Round three offensive guard slash center Luke Fortner. Um, currently starting center on the depth chart. So I think he can play both, um, but right now he's at center. Uh, and then I mentioned Chad Muma, uh, linebacker out of Wyoming, good player that they got there in the third round. Uh, round five, running back Snoop Connor out of Ole Miss to round out this draft recap. Snoop Connor currently third running back on the depth chart behind Etienne and Robinson. So... Let's talk futures. Let's talk schedule. The schedule is ranked 12th easiest, but honestly, I don't, I don't love it. I, they do have some weak teams here. Obviously, the Texans are in their division, and they get to play the Jets, Lions, Giants. You know, that's kind of about it. Um, so let's run through it. I mean, I don't see it being that easy, especially when you're talking about a team that won three games last year. Um, Colts, Chargers, Eagles, Texans. I mean, that's probably 0-3, right? And we're talking maybe 1-3 in the first month. And then we got the Colts again. Not easy. We got the Giants, Broncos, Raiders, Chiefs, Ravens. Let's say that again. Broncos, Raiders, Chiefs, Ravens. That's probably another 0-4 stretch here for this Jags team. Lions, Titans, Cowboys, Jets, Texans, Titans. So they're not going to be better than the Titans or the Colts in their division. And again, I mean, you really see this Jags team beating the Cowboys, Eagles, Chiefs, Raiders, Broncos, Chargers. Even the Commanders will be a challenge. I mean, you know, the over-under for this team is six and a half wins. They have a week 11 bye. The over is plus 115. The under is minus 135. Give me the under on that. I'll probably try and talk myself into this bet. That schedule to me does not look like the 12th easiest schedule in the league. Especially, again, I mean, even if it's a, on paper an easy schedule, the Jags, they're not going to have any easy games. They're the Jags. Like, I wish I could tell you guys that Trevor Lawrence is going to automatically, you know, turn into Peyton Manning in his second year. Um, but I'm not really that optimistic on it. Uh, not to get too bogged down here about Lawrence, but I guess, you know, we should talk about him, right? Um, I not, I don't want to call him a bust. I was a big believer in him in college. I liked betting on him at Clemson quite a bit. Um, he didn't look good last year, obviously, and a lot of people want to just write it off because of Urban. And you obviously have to take that rookie performance with a grain of salt. And there's plenty of examples, Peyton Manning being the biggest one. Peyton led the NFL in interceptions his rookie year and then went on to become Peyton fucking Manning so you know as as much talent and as much you know pedigree that this guy came into the league with as a prospect I'm not ready to write him off I'll say this I wasn't overly impressed watching that preseason performance against the Browns last week his stats were decent um if you want to look into the stats he went you know, 6 of 12 for 95 yards, one touchdown, no picks. 6 of 12 is not good, uh, especially in the preseason where you're not going to be seeing too complex of a defense there and maybe some backups. 
95 yards and a touchdown. Okay, not bad. Actually led three scoring drives, two field goals and a touchdown. Not bad. Um, but one of the touch or one of the field goal drives was when they got the ball on their own uh, around the Browns 25 from a fumble. So short field where they didn't actually move the ball at all. They just lucked into a field goal because of the defense because Kareem Hunt fumbled and eyeball test is my biggest thing. Like stats lie a lot. I try and watch as much preseason as I can because eyeball test Trevor Lawrence. <clears throat> he didn't look good. He didn't look good at all to me. I don't want to be over aggressive again. He's got a lot of potential, but I just got to tell you what I saw in that game. He didn't look good. Um, he's, <clears throat> he's really, he's got the arm talent and the athleticism. You can see it when he has to scramble, he can move. He can pick up first downs with his feet. He has the arm talent. Like I just said, you know, he's hitting some pretty decent throws when his first read is open. On these plays that are designed to get him outside of the pocket and play action and get a receiver open in space downfield, he had a couple pretty nice throws to Zay Jones specifically in that preseason game. But again, they were all his first read that was open and he had time in the pocket. And I know a lot of QBs need a lot of things to come together for that. You can say that about a lot of quarterbacks. But what I'm saying is on those plays where his first read wasn't open and he was asked to sit in the pocket and find a guy and work through his progressions. I saw some pretty shitty quarterback play. The guy is hesitating, um, double clutching, throwing to covered receivers um, late, over the middle, missing guys high. Um, threw a couple passes that really should have been picked off. You know, t uh, he he tried to hit a receiver on a post over the middle and cover two inside the linebacker and the safeties and skied it. And that you, you're throwing if you're throwing high passes late over the middle, those are the easiest kinds of passes to get tipped and deflected and intercepted. That is not good stuff to be seeing out of a quarterback. Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, the top two picks in the draft last year, I saw similar tendencies in their preseason games where they really can only make the throws that are manufactured for them at this point in their careers. Lawrence, again, throwing late into double and triple cut. I mean, he threw one into the back corner of the end zone. That was like two, three seconds too late. And there was three fucking Browns swarming on the ball by the time it got to the receiver. It really didn't have a shot. So let's not pile on Lawrence too much. But what I'm saying is, you know, Doug Peterson coming in there, yes, things will be better. Uh, I'm not convinced that all of a sudden he fixes Trevor Lawrence and all of a sudden this Jags team is competent enough to win seven games when I really only see maybe five or so that they won't be at least a touchdown underdog this year on their schedule. Like, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I don't need to dive too deep into it, but realistically, they have like three games maybe that they'll be favored this year on their schedule. You know, Houston, maybe the Lions, or maybe the Jets, depending on what time of year it is, you know, but let's keep going. I, I'm leaning towards under six and a half wins. I won't have anything on the division or the conference. I'll give you guys the odds. Again, six and a half wins under minus 135 is my recommendation. Divisional odds, plus 750 to win the division. Uh, third best odds because we talked about the Texans yesterday just getting uh, blasted by the sports books in terms of 
um, those odds being astronomical this season. Uh, the odds for the Jags to win the conference are 44 to one, and the odds for them to win the Super Bowl are 120 to one. The odds for them to make the playoffs. Uh, no minus 550 actually forgot to write down the yes because it doesn't matter. Go ahead, light your money on fire if you want. Uh, the over-under for this team is six and a half wins. Even if they eclipse that and get to seven or eight wins, there's no shot in hell they make the playoffs in that loaded AFC conference. <clears throat> Let's move on. Let's talk fantasy players. Uh, I'm not really going to have much stake. I think if I'm targeting one guy on this team, it's Christian Kirk because of his low draft investment. So let's run through it. I'll give you guys the information if you want to invest in any of these guys, but I'll just tell you up front, there's so many offenses in the NFL that I'd rather just hitch my wagon to more than the Jags this year. There's still so many question marks. I will not go into this season just just assuming that Trevor Lawrence magically turns into a Pro Bowl quarterback. I just can't do that. And I mentioned they spent a shit ton of money this offseason, but realistically, a lot of overspending on mediocre players. They wanted to go and get their uh, their second-year quarterback some weapons, but it, it ends up looking like Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram as the main pass catchers for this team. That's not inspiring no matter how much you're paying them. Don't care. So, yeah, there will be some fantasy value. There always is in any offense. Maybe we see how the target distribution looks like after the first couple of weeks in the season. But I mentioned this team probably starts 0-3 based on the schedule. They probably start, hmm, at best, I would say 2-6, and 2-7 and seven based on that schedule. So maybe they're throwing a lot in the second half of the game so you can get involved in that passing game here, Travis Etienne could see a lot of checkdowns. People are comparing him to the DeAndre Swift of this season in terms of running back PPR upside. But I'm not really loving targeting many of these guys. So Trevor Lawrence, 144 overall in your drafts, QB 19 off the board, was going earlier than that last year at QB 16. Finished QB 22 in a full season, 17 games, quarterback 36 in points per game last year. Never gave you a top six week, gave you a top 12 finish, 23.5% of his starts, which was 30th best in consistency, and did not finish inside the top 24 in 41.2% of his starts. I'm just not interested, again, with the pass catchers, with the lack of development I've seen so far. I don't want to jump the gun after one preseason performance, but again, I just didn't see a massive leap in his ability and his decision-making and his processing speed to the point where I'm willing to really invest in this offense. So no thanks. I won't have Trevor Lawrence on any of my fantasy teams this year. You can get a lot of players... You can get Kirk Cousins almost for free in your drafts. Matt Stafford's going at an incredibly low rate. I mean, Derek Carr I'd rather have than Trevor Lawrence. There's a lot of guys. Plus, the QBs with the built-in rushing potential this season, even Justin Fields, as bad as I think that team is going to be, could potentially eclipse Lawrence for fantasy value if he just runs for 800 yards this year. Running backs, kind of a weird situation. Everybody all summer was all jacked up to draft Travis Etienne in the third round of their fantasy drafts um, because James Robinson suffered a lower, pretty substantial lower body injury. I believe torn ACL. I don't think it was an Achilles. Um, week 14 or 15 of the last regular season. So people assuming he won't be ready to start the season, but it's looking like 
Jaguars beat reporters are projecting him to be ready by week one. So that's kind of uh, forcing ETN. You know, people are pumping the brakes a little bit on him right now, and I'd have to agree with that. I don't think I'm willing to spend um, a third, uh, mid-third probably round pick. He's going uh, average ADP 40, but I see him going earlier in most mock drafts and leagues that I'm in anyways. Um, running back 20 off the board on average. Uh, did not play at all in his rookie year after being injured in the preseason. James Robinson, on the other hand, being drafted 120 overall, running back 43. Finished running back uh, 24 last year after being drafted at running back 18 in the third round in 2021. Played 14 games, I mentioned. RB 23 in points per game. So even on a terrible Jags offense and a losing team, Robinson still be able or still being able to provide top 24 upside is impressive. I'll say that. Uh, that said, you know, ETN is looking like the main guy here. He should uh, Robinson, I think best case scenario, like f maybe 35, 40% of the touches here. And especially on passing downs, ETN will be the guy. Um, but the fact that I think it could be more of a committee than fantasy owners want, again, to make the DeAndre Swift comparison, we've got that pesky Jamal Williams stealing touches constantly in the Detroit backfield. And I think James Robinson, possibly the equivalent of this team's Jamal Williams here, if he's able to be fully rehabbed from that late season injury. Uh, James Robinson last year gave you 42.9% of his games inside the top 12, which was 12th most consistent for fantasy running backs. Again, kind of surprising considering not in a fantastic offensive line. It's improved this year, and they're still only ranked 19th by Sharp Football. And the fact that this team was in negative game scripts almost the entire season. Now, this guy still finished inside the top 24, 57.1% of the time, which was 20th best for fantasy running backs. So pretty impressive for Robinson. He is a good player, but again, I just don't see him getting the volume that was required for him to you know, rank that high for fantasy with ETN in the mix this year. Uh, ETN, no consistency metrics, obviously. Robinson busting outside the top 36, 35.7% of his games, and that should go up significantly last year for all the reasons I continue to mention in that running back picture. They have the 12th easiest schedule for fantasy running backs. Failed to mention, you know, the pass catchers actually have a really easy uh, schedule. Trevor Lawrence, second easiest schedule for fantasy. But again, it's just not a guy I'm targeting. If I'm wrong, if I miss out on the fantasy value in this Jags offense, that's okay with me. Sometimes there just has to be a situation that you're not comfortable with. You don't want to take the risks. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. There's 31 other teams that you can get your fantasy value from. It's just not really a gamble I'm looking to take this year. Aside from this next guy, Christian Kirk. He's just going so late in drafts for a guy that really should step in right away as the number one pass catching target in his offense. Now, if we're wrong about that, and if Zay Jones continues to build on the chemistry we saw in the preseason game versus Cleveland, maybe, you know, maybe uh, Trevor Lawrence, again, maybe it's a chemistry thing where he just gels with one of these guys better. But Christian Kirk, most, you know, talented receiver in this offense, highest pedigree, highest draft capital, highest financial investment by the team, should be the number one. He's going 105 in drafts in your 10th round of fantasy drafts, 45th overall wide receiver with top 24 potential, in my opinion. Finished the wide receiver 26 last year as not even the top pass catching option in his offense. Um, obviously with the Cardinals there, different situation. 
Uh, last year, he was going wide receiver 74 off the board and finished, again, wide receiver 26. It makes sense that he got a decent contract from a team. Arizona wasn't going to re-sign him, and he was going to be more expensive than his value to that offense. But again, Jack, the Jags overpaid him quite a bit. Um, but for fantasy, I think if you can take a shot at getting a wide receiver one there in the 10th round, you probably should take the gamble. He finished 37th in points per game last year. Um, wide receivers and tight ends for this team, sixth easiest fantasy schedule going into 2022. Christian Kirk last year gave you a top 12 game in two games, 11.8% tied for 47th. He finished a wide receiver to 23.5% um, of his games, 18th best in consistency. So put him in the top 24, 35% of his games. It was 29th best in consistency. And you got to take into account, again, not the primary target for most of the season there. Uh, finished wide receiver three in two games and then busted outside of the top 36 in 52.9% of his games. Again, different situation, different team, different target share. Uh, Marvin Jones and Zay Jones, the next two receivers, they're not really being drafted in fantasy this year except for super late in best ball drafts, super deep rather. Uh, Zay Jones, 263, wide receiver 95. Marvin Jones, 198, wide receiver 76 this year. Marvin Jones is a guy I was in on last year for fantasy. Did not pan out. I thought he would be Trevor Lawrence's uh, number one target in the offense last year. But again, did not work out. He actually was the leading receiver for this team, but that wasn't enough to provide fantasy value. He had 73 catches, 832 yards, four touchdowns. That was the most productive receiving option on this team last year. Um, Trevor Lawrence last year only throwing for 36,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, 17 picks. So that wasn't enough to sustain anybody. Marvin Jones finished uh, wide receiver 34 last year, which again, you know, it sounds better than it really was. He played a full 17 games and finished 54th in points per game. That's more of a reality of what you got from Marvin Jones last year. He gave you one top 12 week. He gave you three uh, wide receiver two weeks. So he finished in the top 24 in four weeks last season, 23% of his games, 47th most consistent top 24 finish at receiver. It's just not something you want on your team. He busted outside of the top 36 receivers in 70% of his games. And he's getting older, you know. Don't want to call him done, but past his prime is probably fair. And Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, both younger, probably will see more snaps. Zay Jones, uh, last year not being drafted in fantasy. He was with the Raiders last year. He's going 95th receiver off the board this year. Finished wide receiver 68 last year. 15 games played wide receiver 92 in points per game. Saw a little bit of an expanded role once uh, um, Henry Ruggs got arrested for DUI and he was put into the starting lineup a little bit more. Showed some flashes, got paid this offseason, still relatively young. Um, but not someone I'm super excited about. Potential waiver wire pickup early in the season. Again, watch the target share. Um, but I'm not really going to draft him, I don't think. There's other guys I'd rather take my shot on. Zay never gave you a top 12 week last year. He finished inside the top 24 in two games. Outside of that, busted outside the top 36 in 88% of his games. And Evan Ingram is the last guy I want to mention here, being drafted 190 overall, tight end 26, 178 overall, tight end 18 last year, finished tight end 23 in 15 games played, 28th tight end in points per game, never gave you a top six week, gave you a top 12 finish, 
26% of the time. That was 22nd ranked in the NFL at tight ends and busted outside of the top 24, 40% of his games. Again, Evan Ingram sucks at football. Don't draft him. There's a couple of guys at tight end that I could see taking his uh, role as we go through the season here. Better blockers, more physical guys, better jump ball, contested catch guys. That would be Dan Arnold and Chris Manhurts on the tight end depth chart behind him. Manhurts is a big son of a bitch. I got I kind of got my eye uh, got my eye on him as possibly being the, the tight end one by the end of the season. Um, some other honorable mentions here for the offense as we wrap it up. The backup QB, C.J. Beathard, uh, running back Snoop Connor could get into the mix if there's an injury to ETN or Robinson. And then behind those three receivers we've talked about, LaVisca Chenault, third-year receiver, been underwhelming. Laquan Treadwell, been in the league for fucking 25 years, has, probably, has maybe 10 catches. And Jamal Agnew just seems to make a play every preseason and then not get the ball in the regular season. So that's pretty much it for this Jags offense. It's just not something I'm really investing in too heavily this year. There's still too many question marks. The quarterback is still too raw, too underdeveloped. Doug Peterson, I mentioned, uh, while I have optimism to maybe get some stability in the building, uh, even his first year in Philly, he went 7-9. and nine. So, like, Let's not jump the gun that he's going to turn this team around right away. Um, he was dealing with a rookie, Carson Wentz, who, to be honest, like I'm willing to compare rookie Carson Wentz to second-year Trevor Lawrence at this point based off what I've seen from him from his play. I really am. you got to remember, Wentz was good his first couple years in the NFL. I don't want to get too deep down that rabbit hole, but the guy was the MVP frontrunner through week 13 of the 2017 season. Just saying. Um, yeah. We'll see how this Jags team does, if they can get their shit together over the next few years. But, you know, let's. Rome wasn't built in one day. So, under six and a half wins is probably my recommendation here. Uh, we're done with the AFC South. We're doing the NFC South next. And our final team preview will be the Cleveland Browns coming out later this week. Then we're going to start getting some more specific, you know, individualized uh, episodes. You know, our team previews will be over. And I'll be giving you episodes on, you know, my favorite fantasy picks for the season. I'll be giving you my win totals, my Super Bowl futures, and, you know, everything that I'm putting together for this season here as far as futures and investments. So, fun time of year. We are getting close here. I appreciate you guys sticking with me and listening throughout July and August here. And uh, what do I say? Yeah, ramble on.